0: I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, October 7, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's pick apart the market a little bit. Let's figure out where we are where we came from is important, where we're going is more important, and then what do the next several trading sessions look like? What do the next several weeks even look like? How high can this market go? Is there going to be another leg down in the market? Was today's close important? Was today a tail candle? And there's about 42 other questions that we're going to answer during tonight's video. The best approach to take is really just to take it from the top Let's take a 30,000-foot view, we'll drill down from there, we'll look at some other charts, and then you'll get a sense for what I'm seeing. We'll take all the inputs, the inputs are the charts, the data or the data, and then we'll have an output in the end. And that's the way it works. We do the work, and then out the other side comes the result. Several days ago, we started discussing we're looking for a short-term low. We put a number up on the screen, 285 we're not going to rehash the past. We know about 285. You can go back to the past videos. We targeted 285 before the market got there. Then we said, once the market did find the bottom, what kind of bounce higher? What kind of rally were we looking for? And the answer was a minimum of 25, 30, 35%, something in that neighborhood. That percentage comes from the pivot high to the pivot low. How much of that... Total move downward, and here's what we're talking about. Might as well draw it out while we're discussing it. So we have a high put in here. We have a low put in here. How much of that rally is going to retrace that move? And we said at least 25 35%, somewhere in here in this neighborhood. So we've gone higher than that. Fine. That's fair enough. Where are we going next? That's the $100,000 question, or maybe I should say that's the $64,000 question. Maybe today was as high as they're going to get. Maybe the trap door opens back up and we have another leg down. We're going to look at all the possibilities. We're going to look at all the charts. And in looking at the charts, we'll get our answer, at least our best probabilistic answer. And no, I'm not 100% sure that that's a word, but we'll get the answer that has the highest probability, at least from where I sit. And by the way, I haven't discussed this in a while, but that's the best thing and what exactly makes a market. The fact that you and I, me and you, everybody watching this video can look at the same charts, the same numbers, and come out with a different conclusion based on the way we look at the market, the way we analyze charts, the way we analyze numbers, the way we analyze whatever we're looking at. What makes a market is the fact that two investors or two traders can look at the same thing and come out with two entirely different conclusions. And therein lies the reason and precisely why we do what we do. All right, let's get back down to brass tacks. Let's say for a second, we'll talk about the bull case, let's say for a second that the market is not finished going higher. It doesn't have to go higher every hour of every day, but let's just say, by and large, This move is not over, meaning let's just say that this retracement has more to go. So we'll draw it out. Let's just say the market came down and we bounce higher. This is a relief rally. It's whatever you want to call it. Where's it going to end? Is it going to end right about here? Is it going to end above or right around the 20 period moving average? Is it going to end above the breakdown candle high? Something in between, where is this going to end? Here's where we're going to use logic, some common sense, and as we slosh in and around my head, we'll use some experience to boot. Remember, we're only talking about the case if the market continues higher. We'll talk about the other case in a moment. Here's the way I look at this, and this is the 80-20 rule at work. So the other day, meaning Friday, they closed above the 50 period moving average. Under normal garden variety market conditions, that far, that fast, off that bottom at 285 tells me two things. A, it was exactly that. It was really far, really fast. Think about it. We rallied up about 100 S&P handles from low to high in less than three trading sessions. That's a rodeo ride. It's not the norm. In the 80-20 world, that's the 20% camp. However, when we get into these corrective phases of the market, the down legs of the market, we all know that the market takes the escalator up and the elevator down. So when the market drops, it drops hard and fast. But just the same, after it drops, we get these large swings in both directions, and in this case, the upward swing in the northern direction is one of those swings that happens to be a rip-your-face-off rally into Friday's close. It contains panic buying. Friday, they closed above the 50-period moving average. Today they spiked up and fell away and got trapped in between the 50 and the 100 period moving average. Do we really care as much as we may have before about these moving averages now? And the answer is, not really. Why is that? Because we just slice through the moving averages a couple of times. The more times you trade in and around moving averages, the less importance they have. When you hit a moving average from afar, For example, on Thursday, they came up short of the 200-period moving average. Even if the market came down farther than the 285 into the 200-period moving average, you would have likely gotten the same response anyway. We came into, or in this case, short of the 200-period moving average from afar. It would tend to be, using the 80-20 rule, it would tend to be under normal garden-variety market conditions more supportive when you come from afar. When you're trading in and around them day in, day out, they're less important than they would have been otherwise. Therein lies the short moving average story. There's more moving average stuff in the course at Lazy E-mini Trader. That's just a little snippet. You're in my head, so you pull out what you can get. Let's go back up above. We'll continue to talk about up above. Look what's going on here. Wasn't this the breakdown area you can split hairs over exactly what number the breakdown area was. Was it 297? Was it 298? 297.5? 296? Whatever. It doesn't matter exactly what the market thought the exact number to the penny was. We can look at a zone and say, we're pretty sure that was a breakdown area. What else do we have in that area that would support the case of where the market might find Overhead resistance. Well, right away, I see a couple of things right out of plain sight. Not really out of plain sight, but right in plain sight. One is the 20 period moving average. That's obvious. We also have a number that was important before 297. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's still important. 297 comes in right around the 20 period moving average. That'll change day by day as the moving average moves because it's what? A moving average. So it'll change slightly day in, day out. However, 297 is important. Is it 297.50? Is it 296.98? Who knows? It doesn't really matter. It's the general zone 297 is an important area. Not only did the market go back and forth before it broke down in and around 297, but remember back here, The market gapped up to this area, just short of 297, but we're rounding. And then it traded higher, came back to what? 297. And then it broke down. We talked about that as it was occurring. We talked about the importance of 297. So if, in fact, the market should continue higher, the spider should continue higher Where would we find common sense, natural area of overhead resistance? Right around 297. Maybe they come up short, maybe they don't. Maybe they spike through it. But that's an area I'm interested in to reestablish the short position that I took off last week. I did get some questions on that today, so I'll address it here. Fair questions. Everybody knows I was taking a short position up near 300. We talked about it. We talked about the fact that we were looking for a top. Then we talked about the fact we were looking for a short-term low. That's your cue. That's my cue. Not necessarily in every case or in some cases to cover shorts, meaning I'm going to cover shorts when I tell you I'm looking for a low. Whether I cover the entire position or not is a different story. In this case, I did not. I still have... 25% of my original short position left over. Now, here's the way that works. A, I can't take a loss in the position. It's impossible. I'll never let the remaining 25% of the position get past the price that I paid for the option, and this was an options trade. This was a November put contract, so I still have some of it. Now, here's the way it works. I've booked three quarters of the position. That's a profit. It's in my pocket. That's how you run this as a business. The remaining 25% was the just-in-caser. What if I was wrong? What if the market cut through 285 like a hot knife through butter? What happened if it had that crash that a lot of traders were looking for that just hasn't happened or hasn't happened yet? At least I would have participated on a portion of the position. Item number two. It's a November put contract, so I still have time on the clock. I have time on the table. We know in these type of corrective phases of the market, we know we see these large swings in both directions. So I know that a swing like this, even though it could be 100, 125 S&P points, I also know that it could be in two, three, five, six, seven days and the market could come right back down. What I also know is where I'm wrong. I know where I'm wrong in this position before my position gets to the purchase price. Where am I wrong? Where would I have to reevaluate the short side? Closing above on the daily chart, closing a day, preferably a couple of days, meaning I don't prefer a couple of days close, but you would generally need a couple of days or more closes above the breakdown candle high to confirm that the trend has turned back to the north side, there's nothing wrong with the market, and they're going to simply power forward to new highs. Let's be clear on one thing. Just closing above that breakdown candle high I just identified doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make new highs, but that's where I would have to take the rest of my short position off. Just simply reevaluate the market. I can always put it back on. Okay. That takes care of the north side and my expectations. Should the market continue north? Do I think the market's necessarily finished? On the north side, I do not necessarily think the market's finished on the north side from this rally away from 285. This isn't the main reason, but here's a reason. It's more of a conversational reason. It's less of a technical reason, but it does have a sprinkle of experience dusted over the top. Let's just put it like this. The market makes a low, makes a low last week. And all of a sudden, before the world was ending, now everybody forgot that the market was down hard for a couple of days, solid two and a half days actually last week. But not enough people, not enough investors, traders forgot yet. They really, in terms of trick and company, the Trick, Trap, Fool and Frustrate crew, They really have to suck some more bulls in to get some people believing that the decline is over. So how do they do that? So what they do is they shimmy the market around a little bit. So they have another day where maybe they go down a little bit to sideways. And then all of a sudden later in the week you find the market. All of a sudden it's up here near the 20 period moving average. How do they do that? Ask Tricken Company. They do it all the time, they do it over and over and over again, and then everybody looks surprised when they do it. And that will really be a make-it-or-break-it price area or price zone for the next bull-bear battle. Now, let's flip it around a second, let's look at the other side. Was today a big tail candle, and are we just going to go straight down from here? Well, let me answer the first question first, and while it may appear, and it is a tail candle technically speaking, But in my technical world, from where I sit, it's not a meaningful tail candle whatsoever. Why is that? There's two specific reasons why they're both taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. For the purposes of this video, we'll just leave it at I'm not buying it was a tail candle and we go straight down from here. We can, but that's not the way I'm reading today's candle. And how about this? since we really don't know one way or the other the only option we have is to move on and look at other charts to see what other clues are available we're never really at a shortage or a supply shortage of charts or information let's just go down one by one what's the first thing or the first couple of things we see when we look at a two hundred and forty minute chart which is very similar to the daily chart It's got really a very similar, almost the same look. But here, we had something slightly different in moving average world. And moving average world isn't to be confused with Joe's indicator world. We're not selling indicators. Here, we're just discussing moving averages. And you can see the convergence of the 20 and the 100 period moving average on this chart. And we had it essentially contain the market for three candles, which means three 240-minute candles. Now, we can read that in one of two ways. There's always two sides to the coin. There's two sides to the tape. We have to be the umpire. We're calling balls and strikes. One way is the market's being rejected at the convergence of the moving averages. They tried to make, or they did make, a higher high today, finished poorly. That's a rejection underway at the moving averages. That's the bear case, We can certainly look at it that way. That's completely possible. What's also possible? What's also possible is the bull case. And the bull case is we had a nice big rally off the lows. That's a flagpole. And here we go creating a bull flag pattern that's just going down to the lower portion of where the flag is beginning to form. Now, it's too early to tell from this chart, but that is a possibility What's to say we don't have something like this following tomorrow's activity? We don't know yet. That's speculation. What we do know is what we can see on the chart and what we can say is it's a possibility. We can see both cases, nothing is definitive, so we simply move on. We don't look at this one a lot. I look at this one. Here's a 180-minute chart. Now we have another set of moving averages. This is interesting. Let's stay in moving average world. We have a convergence of a 200 period and a 100 period moving average. And now we're riding on the downside, the 20 period moving average. So these moving averages certainly are resistant to the market. We are finding overhead resistance. We've seen it now on a couple of different charts. What's more overhead resistance? One moving average, or a convergence of two or more moving averages? The answer is obvious. I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious. I'm just trying to raise the awareness of a convergence being more important than simply a single moving average. That's why I go on to point out the convergence, quote unquote, of moving averages. How about the 120 minute chart? There's a couple of things that actually jump out at this chart that really just weren't present on other charts. That's why I like to look at a lot of different charts. It's like a box of chocolate. You really never know exactly what you're going to find. You find some stuff right out of the course that we know. Here's another moving average. This is the 50 period moving average. We basically kissed it, came up just short, traded away, put in a pseudo doji candle on time for the most part. What does that mean? That's the part where time is more important than price. I can't stress that enough. I didn't make that up. I learned that. In fact, I learned that the hard way. But the fact that I learned that is absolutely a blessing in disguise. Time is more important than price. So here we have almost a touch of the 50 period moving average. We were riding the 200 period moving average and then all of a sudden late in the day They gave up the ghost. They gave up the 200-period moving average after putting in a pseudo-doji candle just about on time. What is that telling you? What it's telling you, at least from this chart's perspective, is the Bears may still have the ball leading into tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning's activity. How about the hourly chart? Here we go again with the moving averages. Riding and then closed below the 50-period moving average on the hourly chart. Again, we have to be able we have to be able to visually and also conceptually in our mind see the market from both ends from both directions, both angles. be the umpire. here is a long flagpole. Here is a flag waving in the air until and unless the market comes down here, we can certainly say that the market is not necessarily finished on the upside, even it comes down to this gap window here. However, until and unless this flag is really broken, this is still just a flag in the making. We don't know whether it's going to work out or resolve itself to the upside or not, but we have to recognize that it's happening. The hardest thing for many traders to visualize and internalize It's being able to see the market for what it is at present and also what it is into the future. So here's what I mean by that. Just go with me on this hypothetical concept for a second. Let's just say we were pretty certain that this bull flag pattern was going to work out. Let's say it was really long and it was really tight and it looked like the perfect textbook bull flag pattern, and we were just going to make the assumption for the purposes of this, it was going to resolve itself in the northern direction. Now, this is an hourly chart. So intra-hour, we may be going up, we may be going down. They may test the top of the flag. They may test the bottom of the flag. They may do it 10, 15 times before they get ready to break out and resolve or complete the pattern in the northern direction. So, what we have to be able to understand is in the short term, if the market is heading south and we happen to be playing for a long position, meaning we're long the market, we like the upside, we're trading from a, let's say, swing trading basis over the next day, half day, two days, we're saying we think the market's going to trade higher, we have to be able to understand that while we're waiting for that to occur, The market can trade in the other direction. It often does. The market trades in both directions. It ebbs and flows. Just because it's going down for the last, let's say, three or four 15-minute candles in a row doesn't mean that it won't go up at some point tomorrow. And tomorrow, it might go up for three hours in a row. We don't know that. I'm not saying what is or is not going to happen tomorrow being Tuesday, I'm just saying hypothetically because the market in the short term is heading in one direction doesn't mean the longer term pattern isn't just still in development. That's the way you have to look at it and that's the way you have to get over the fact that the market's going against you while it's going against you doesn't mean you're wrong just doesn't mean you're right yet. That's also why we have to have the spot. We need the spot where we can pull the ripcord because the trade is wrong. The objective, everything that we teach, the objective is to be wrong small and fast. We want to be able to take a trade as close to that level of risk, meaning that minimal level of risk, as possible. That's the whole idea. That's how we treat this as a business. If the market were to trade down early on Tuesday, what is that price level down below where the market is likely to find an semblance of support? If in fact, the buy the dip crowd is on duty, where is that spot? There's really two spots. I'll give you this one here. This gap window would be a spot under normal garden variety market conditions. They might come up short. They might spike it through by a little bit. But on the first run, if it's a straight shot, you're likely to see support at that price. However, there's something a little bit higher. I'll reserve that one for my Inside the Numbers members tomorrow morning. They'll want to have that number, and it is only fair. I spent a lot of time on the spiders today, but it was the market in general. It was general thoughts. It was general, what do I see? The market was very quiet today. Did we get any information from the IWM? Absolutely not. It was down a few pennies. No big deal one way or the other. The market can be done going up, but it doesn't have to be done going up. Look at those juicy moving averages up above. Now, if we get some kind of a spark, some kind of a white knight slash white swan news event, we could see the IWM make an attempt up at those moving averages. But what's the other side to that? Look where the position of the IWM is on the daily chart ...versus the SPY... ...just get another flash of the SPY daily chart... ...you can see from a longer term perspective... ...the daily chart really isn't that bad... ...from a weekly chart perspective... ...the charts in an uptrend were above... ...the 50 period moving average... ...the 100 and the 200... ...we're sitting on the 20... ...is this really that bad... ...from a weekly chart perspective... ...it's not that bad... ...in fact... ...from a weekly chart... ...there's no reason under the sun... That this can't be a pullback getting set for another push to higher prices as long as we stay above and close weekly above the breakup candle low. Where have you heard that before? Again, playing umpire, you have to look at both sides of the market. If I'm going to bring the weekly chart up and I'm going to have a discussion about the chart, you have to have a discussion of both sides of the chart. Last week, while we were down at 285, you're not having that discussion. We snapped back and closed the week above the breakup candle low. We're having that discussion. Back to the IWM. What I started to say before was, if in fact we don't get up to the moving averages, the bear case is that's a really weak tape and that's really bad for everything across the board. So either way, regardless of what the market does, the market really is telling you something. What's going on down at the transportation department? Are they telling us anything down there? It's the same look as the IWM. It's below all the moving averages. It looks terrible. Is this going to be a triple bottom? And was this a scary thing to buy? Or is this not a triple bottom and there's lower prices ahead? We don't know 100% sure yet. But as long as we're down here, the market is weak. Until and unless they can get above and start closing daily above those moving averages, the transports are weak. The IWM is weak. The transports are weak. What's the common denominator? They're my two favorite market-leading indicators. Where have you heard that before? Right here. Same bat channel. How about the queues? What do we see in the queues? Now, check this out. We had that trend line. Again, maybe it's not to the penny. It's not the point it's the concept of the trend line we broke it as soon as we broke it you saw the acceleration on the downside you saw the selling really get heavy pretty quickly but so was the reversal and where did it take us right back to the trend line it's funny how that works today up almost to the 20 period moving average rejected back down below the trend line settled on the 50 put in a doji candle is that important It's not really at the right spot on the chart. Again, something I talk about in the course in detail, Lazy E-Mini Trader. If you want to know more about the foundation of how all this stuff really works, how it comes together, how we use time more important than price, how we use it to our advantage, remember? All that stuff's in the course. If you don't want to take the course, I get it. Either way, let's move it along. Any information from the XLF? Into the moving averages again, we spiked above after closing above on Friday, down below today. We're not going to necessarily make a federal case out of it, but it is a theme that we saw over and over again on a variety of different charts. They're puzzle pieces. They're on the table. There's a lot of stuff on the table. Everything we talked about tonight is on the table. How about the SMH? This is a good proxy for the tech sector. This tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. The SMH... You have to look at this objectively. The SMH, we have two things going on. That's why there's nothing definitive. But here's the one thing that you have to know about. Here's a big up move. That's a big flagpole. This is a flag waving in the wind. Yeah, so it's going down and it's not straight across. I don't care. I'm not a textbook kind of guy. I'm just looking at this saying, I've seen this before. I've seen this go north before. You've seen this before because I've pointed this out many times before. What else do we have? In terms of the SMH, our line in the sand is really Thursday's low. Now, that was the 285 in the SPY, but Thursday's low puts us back beneath the 50-period moving average. First test, okay, they bounced off of it. Came up short, trick-trap full and frustrate crew show up, they bounce off of it. Next time down, not so sure they bounce off of it. Next time down, we're going to start calling this a double top failure. Here's a top. Here's a top. Now, this could be a bull flag pattern. I'm giving it its due. But this could also be a double top failure. We don't know. There's nothing definitive. You showed up. You got inside my head. You have to accept the consequences. The chart comes up. This is what comes out. And that, my friends, seems like a pretty good place to give it a wrap for this evening. I'm going to pull the ripcord here, but before I do, I first want to thank everybody and let you know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.